Welcome to Wellness with Emsi. This podcast is proudly brought to you by thewellnessaffair.com. In a world where there is a contradicting mix of information surrounding health and wellness, it can be hard to work out what is really good for us. Traditionally, health is thought of as just exercising and eating right, when in actual fact, there are many facets of health, and to hold optimal levels of health, our physical, spiritual, emotional, mental and social health needs to be in good shape. So it may be challenging to maintain a healthful and abundant lifestyle while juggling work, kids, relationships, life challenges and all the rest in between if we aren't taking care of all the aspects of our health. If you're looking for all things health and wellness, you've come to the right place. My name is Emma, aka Emsy, and as a PT, health coach, and nutritional advisor, I'm passionate about inspiring others to rediscover their healthy. Join me as I explore what it means to be healthy and well in 2020. Get ready to delve in as we chat about social convention, fads, and diets, and listen in as we chat with authenticity and vulnerability about some of the struggles myself and my guests have encountered along the way. Are you struggling with change at the moment? Are you less than impressed with our current way of life? If you're anything like me, you may be finding it hard to adapt to all the recent changes brought on by COVID-19. Luckily, these changes are somewhat temporary But what if life as you know it changed forever? In a blink of an eye, no warning, no choice, just change. On today's episode, I'm chatting to Tanya Lee from Imperfectly Perfect Sugar Cookies, who knows all too well about life-changing events. She's had to adapt and roll with the punches after a spinal cord injury left her paralyzed. Listen in as Tanya chats about how, instead of letting her disability consume her, She used it as a driving force to start her own business doing something she absolutely loves while undergoing a mass of personal development in the process. Cool, so thanks for joining me, Tan. I really appreciate your time. I know that you're super, super busy at the moment. Um, Did you want to get started and just give us a little bit of an introduction and tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, well... Where do I start? Um, I am a mum of three um, and I run a sugar cookie business from home um, with a bit of a difference. Uh, we look, we focus on the imperfections in life, not actually being perfect. Um, I have a spinal cord injury, so working a normal job um, kind of isn't best for me because I can't sit for too long, can't stand for too long. Um, I have some restrictions. So I decided to jump in and start a business at nearly 43 years old, um, which seemed a bit crazy at the time. But um, yeah, I love what I do. And I like to share people's stories through my baking. Um, and I, and, I, and I like to be involved in people's special special events and be able to um, just add a little unique touch. Oh, I love that. Um, so the reason I wanted to share your story is because I think that you are one hell of an inspiration. Um, even though life's thrown you some massive curveballs, you've managed to dust yourself off, pick yourself up and just get on with it. So you currently run a successful business um, you have recently partnered, I've seen on Instagram and Facebook, you've recently partnered with some amazing businesswomen and um, life seems pretty bright for you, but this hasn't always been the case. Um, you've been through some pretty traumatic experiences over the years. Do you want to tell us about the day that you woke up and you couldn't feel your legs and you couldn't move? Yeah, so um, I had... I'd had uh, a period of time, about five or six weeks, where I'd had a kinked neck. Just felt like I'd 
slept badly, um, had had it checked, uh, had had x-rays done and things, um, they couldn't find any anything wrong. Um, and then I woke up this morning and uh, once again had a kink neck um, and a little bit of a headache. And I was sitting, having a cup of tea before taking the kids to the school bus. Um, and as I stood up from the lounge, uh, to get going, to get the kids to the car. Um, I felt like someone had plugged me into a PowerPoint. Um, and I got this surge of um, like a, a shock up my spine and automatically started throwing up. I drove my kids to the school bus crazily. Um, oh my goodness. The whole way throwing up just to get them to school and by the time I got back to the house um, I had a massive uh, headache and I suffered from migraine since I was 19 um, so I just thought it was a weird migraine I had the day off work so I thought I'll just go to bed sleep it off um, get up get the kids from school um, I went to bed and I woke about two hours later in the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my life. Um, the pain was that bad that I didn't actually realize that I couldn't feel the left side of my body um, because it was just so intense. Uh, I only realized when I went to step out of bed and, um, and I couldn't put any weight through my left side and I just fell to the floor. Um, and then I realized I could move my right but not my left. Um, I dragged myself down the hallway to the phone and, uh, and rang an ambulance and uh, ambulance came and I was really, really lucky that the ambos that were on that day, um, they, they just wanted to, they, they kept saying to me, we're being over precautious, but we need to do this. Uh, and they automatically treated me as a spinal patient, even though at that stage they thought I'd had a stroke. Um, and that's what I thought I'd had. I thought I'd had a stroke. Um, in 2010, I'd had a minor stroke. Uh, so I kind of knew what that felt like, and I just thought I'd had a big one. Um, wow. So they strapped me down to the spinal board. Um, and got me in to the hospital and I was taken into x-ray and had some scans done and I hadn't even left the x-ray room when they said uh, you're off to RPA so I knew something was was pretty bad um, by that time my husband had turned up at the hospital um, and it's kind of all a blur from there they gave me like pump me full of drugs to to get the pain under control um, and to kind of sedate me a bit too so that I wouldn't be moving around. Um, the only thing I remember whilst I was in emergency at the hospital here was that one of the doctors said to my husband, um, you need to prepare yourself and say goodbye um, wow. because they weren't sure if I was going to make the trip to Sydney. Oh, you've just given me goosebumps. Um, my C4-5 <laughs> C4 had just completely abrupted away. Yeah. Um, so I just had a big space there. Um, sorry, it was literally hanging on by thread. Um, and my husband tells me I was yelling like a banshee at this doctor, telling him, how do you say that in front of my kids? Because my boys were standing at the bottom of the bed as well. And I was screaming at my husband to get the kids out of, out of the hospital um, because I didn't want them to see me like that. Um, and it was like a six and a half hour drive to Sydney because the weather was so bad they couldn't fly me. So I had to go by road and it was the longest trip of my life. I bet. Um, and no sooner I turned up at RPA, they pushed me straight into theatre and I had surgery. Yeah. So yeah, it was um, a bit of a bizarre day, really. Yeah, that's insane. I don't even know what would be going through your mind at that point. You'd be going... What happened? Yeah, look, I just, I thought I had a stroke. And I guess at that stage, even though I had had that doctor say that to my husband, I kind of was, I, I think I was in denial straight up. 
that um, it was anything major. And, uh, and I'm a very, you know, get on with it sort of person. So um, I, I think I just went straight into that denial and was like, it's going to be fine. You know, we'll get down there. We'll do what we need to. I'll come home um, and everything will be fine. But yeah, life changed from there. <laughs> wow. So what was your health like before all of this happened? You mentioned that you had a stroke previously, but I'm assuming you were quite healthy and quite active. Yeah, look, I was, um, I used to run five k's a day. Um, you know, I was very, very active, didn't stop. Um, I'm not the sort of person that sits still. I just, I, I just can't, um, you know, I, I find it hard to even sit and read a book. Um, it's just not in me. I like to be active. Um, and, I, and I've got really active kids, so I'm used to running around with them. So my health... Uh, was it was actually pretty good before then um you know the the little stroke that i had in 2010 was related to a migraine um, and it's not an uncommon thing so it was never any indication of anything happening in the future um you know i was really lucky i hardly ever got a even a head cold so um yeah it was a big a big shock to the system yeah for sure so what happened after then? How how did life change for you? What what? So you ha you've had surgery. What happened then? Yeah, so I had um, I had surgery and spent. I was only I was only in Sydney about a week and a half. So they stabilized stabilized my spine. Um, it was 0.5 of a millimeter off, completely severing my spinal cord. Um, I came home to the hospital here for a couple of weeks and then came home for the first probably four weeks life. I mean, it wasn't, it hadn't gone back to normal, but I was able to walk. Um, you know, I was a little bit unsteady on my feet, but you know, the prognosis was pretty good. Uh, and then one day I just woke up and it was just like a switch had been turned on and and things changed overnight um and i went to not being able to walk without a walking stick um and went through seeing a whole heap of neurologists and had a whole brain scans and neck scans and spinal scans and um they couldn't really tell me what was going on so it took a good two to two and a half years for them to finally say that uh, it was a result of a spinal cord injury. Um, and, and they started treating it as a, as a spinal cord injury. So yeah, I just, I get around with a walking stick. I deal with chronic pain every day um, because I damaged all the nerves. I, I have what I call fire ants every day. So uh, it feels like a million fire ants climbing up and down my left side of my body, um, like really intense pins and needles. Um, I have no touch sensation on my left side at all um, and some on my right side as well. Uh, so I'm classified as an incomplete um, quadriplegic because all four limbs are affected, but left side is worse okay so do you know what what the injury was from can you pinpoint it to anything that you did to cause that injury no because all the scans because i'd literally had the last scan on the tuesday and then had um this happen on the friday uh and the and the scans on the tuesday were perfect that my spine looked perfect there were no breakdowns in bone or, or tissues or anything like that um they just they call it a spontaneous abruption and it's just one of those things that just they describe it as like when you stretch a rubber band until you've stretched it far enough that it's had enough and it breaks wow so how how do you get your head around it like how did you stay sane i guess because I suppose any normal person would be like, fuck my life. How did you, how did you get through it? Denial. <laughs> the best thing I can say. I really denied it for a long time and just, um, 
And I guess because I've got kids with disabilities, you know, you're constantly telling them they can do this, you can do this, you can do this, um, even if it's something that's really, really hard. Um, I think the first time it really hit me was my first hydrotherapy session and uh, got in the pool and it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. Um, and I literally stood in the corner of the pool and cried. And my physio, uh, she kind of had a bit of a laugh at me because she's, she's known me from doing hydrotherapy with my kids. Um, and she was like, sorry, what do you tell your kids every time they're in the pool? Yes, it's hard, but you know, you've got to do it because it's the best thing for you. And um, yeah, it was that realization that I guess that things weren't normal anymore. Um, because I've con I constantly, even with the walking stick, I was like, you know, I'm going to get rid of this. It'll be fine. You know, we'll go back to normal. Um, so for a long time, it, it was denial. I think probably the last 12 months um, and maybe more the last six months um, is where I really, truly uh, started to accept that life isn't the same um but it's okay yeah how are your kids with it like obviously they've seen you encouraging them you know with their disabilities and and they're like you know mum tells us all the time that we can do this were they similar to you like the foot you know oh, yeah, being all the the time. yeah all the time um you know uh, if i have a bad day um you know, they they give me the same pep talks I would give them on a bad day. So, um, you know, I'm really lucky there. I think they they ground me on the days when I'm feeling sorry for myself um, because you know I have really shitty days and then I have really good days. And um, but I I think I've worked out that you can still have a good day even if it's a shitty one. Um, it's I think. You've just, um, I don't know, you just learn to, I guess, live with it um, and accept it for what it is. Yeah. What, looking back, do you remember what your biggest fear was at the time? Apart from, you know, once you got past the denial, you know, that you were going to be okay. Once it dawned on you, what was your biggest fear? not being able to do everything with my kids mm -hmm. was my biggest fear. Not being able to be there when they needed me. Um, you know, being the, the, the main carer in my house as well. Um, you know, not being able to do some of the things that I would need to do to help them through their physio um, or to help them through their medical appointments. Uh, I think that that was my biggest fear because before all this, um, you know, I was mum, I was carer. That 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 was my main role, yeah. and and that came before anything. Yeah, so that was kind of like your identity, and it it was like, well, if I don't have that, what am I going to be, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I think that's been the, the, the biggest transition for me um, and I'm still in that process now is, is trying to work out who I am now. Yeah. Have you noticed um, any changes in how people treat you, you know, before your injury to after? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, we... I've lost a lot of friends. Uh, I think sometimes it's too hard for people to deal with. Um, and, I, and I don't think they do it purposely. I think it's just that they don't know how to deal with the differences. You know, you stop getting, I stopped getting invited to things, um, you know, like weekends away or things like that because I think, you know, there was that thinking of, oh, but Tanya won't be able to do that. So, you know, maybe we shouldn't invite her. Um, going for job interviews, 
I had been turned away from just the minute I'd walked into the office with a walking stick um, oh, and wow. been told that I'm too much of a Yeah, so it, um, because before the accident, uh, I was a florist and then I was working in a local jewelry store and like when it happened and then of course I lost, I lost my work. Um, and then knew I couldn't go back to full-time floristry, even though that was something I loved, uh, because I'd have to be on my feet all day, and that just wasn't a possibility. Um, so there's been a lot of things like I have a disabled parking permit. Uh, if I'm if I'm having a you know really uh, sore day or I'm fatigued or whatever, and I use the disabled parking because I don't use it all the time. Um, you know, I've been abused by people um, because, you know, I had people say, I've got a sore leg, you know, and I'm like, I wish I could feel my leg. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, I think it just enlightened yeah. to what my kids have dealt with as well yeah. over the years. I was just going to say, what do you say to people? Because I would find it really difficult not to go, you know, piss off. You've got no idea what you you're going on about yeah look I have had those moments where I've just you know told them politely <laughs> where to go um you know that I've also just explained to people and you know like I've said things like I wish I had a sore leg I wish I could feel it because I can't you know um I think it's just that perception you're young um or younger to you know uh, an older person so you should you don't need to use the parking spot they need it more because uh, most of the time it's older people that I've been abused by um, I've been abused in the Coles uh, disabled aisle um, I literally had an old man say to me but you're not in a you're not in a wheelchair so you can't use this aisle and then I had to explain to him that actually the wheelchair is a universal symbol and it doesn't just mean that you have to be in a wheelchair to use the aisle so um, yeah I, I, it opened my eyes up to to a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what was the biggest blessing or realisation you uncovered in amongst all the shit that had been going on for you? Oh. Gosh, that's a hard one. Um, I think... The biggest thing I've learned out of it all is that imperfections are actually our strengths, whereas before I seen them as weaknesses. Yeah. I, I love that. And it just, it goes back to your business too, doesn't it? Because that's the imperfect, um, you know, your cookies. Yeah, it does. Look, uh, when I... You know, when I first started the cookies, it was, we'll put them out there, we'll see what, you know, it was like a hobby. It was something to keep me busy um, because I need to be busy. Um, and when I looked for a name, that it came to me in my sleep. Um, <laughs> I literally woke up in the middle of the night and went, that's it. That's what it's going to be called. Um, and it's because... Uh, I'm paralysed on one side. So, you know, when I roll dough, when I roll fondant, stuff like that, it's never even. There's those imperfections because I am stronger on one side than the other. Um, so it's it's never perfect. Um, and if, you know, if there's one thing I've learned out of this, you know, you don't need to be perfect. Um, you know, you sp I think most people spend their whole entire lives trying to please people, trying to be perfect in things. And and I can say I used to be one of those, um, you know, I I've always, had always been a people pleaser, had always put everybody else before myself. Uh, and I think the biggest blessing I've learned is that it's okay to put myself first um, and it's okay to be imperfect and it's okay to, to use those imperfections. Um, to one, make yourself a better person, but also to help other people be better people. Yeah, I absolutely love that because I think that everyone should look with those sort of eyes because 
there's nothing in this world that is perfect. And the only thing you're going to do is kill yourself trying to be perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, I love so it. Fun. Yeah. You've got to you've got to love the person you are and it's taken me a long, long time to actually love me um, because I've given, my, given so much of myself to my kids, to my husband. Um, you know, I never would have imagined starting a business at my age. Um, I never actually would have ever imagined having a business. Um, and, and, you know, we're still very, very new. Um, and you said before that, you know, I'm running a successful business, but your business is only as successful as the people that you, you have around you. And I'm so blessed that I'm part of a, a really beautiful local creative work of um, amazing artists in different fields um, who all support each other. Uh, you know, we all collaborate with each other and, um, you know, that's, that's a big part of what I want to give in my business um, is that joy of, you know, having that support of being able to make people happy. Um, and, and I'm really lucky because, you know, that's what my cookies do. And, and they're not perfect, you know. They never look the same. Um, and, you know, they have those little imperfections but it's actually the things that people come back to me and send me messages about the fact that they do have those imperfections and that's why they actually buy the product. Um, so I think it, it, sometimes it's not even about the product that you sell, but um, about the full experience. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it intrigues people to, to know the backstory of, of things, you know, because if, all of these things hadn't have happened to you, then you may have still been working the same, you know, same job and have not as grown, like grown as much as what you have today. Yeah, you're right. I, there's no way I would have, would have jumped into, into anything really. Um, you know, I've always had little hobbies on the side, like making cakes and things like that while I was um, a florist. And even when I pub you know and make cakes as well uh, because that was just something I really enjoyed doing and um, you know it was uh, it was always nice I mean it's like being a florist you know it's always nice to put a smile on someone's face it's always nice to make someone feel good when they're down um, or you know when they're having a birthday or whatever um, but now I get to celebrate a lot of things like you know, I get to be a part of people's weddings and, uh, you know, a lot of, I have a lot of regular customers um, who just keep coming back and, and that's really lovely because you know that you're building um, a community. It's not just about selling a product and see it later and, um, and that's what I wanted to do. That's why I, I share my story of having a spinal cord injury, um, you know, with my customers, uh, they know what they're getting straight up. They know that things aren't going to be perfect, um, and and people seem to um, to to really take to that, which you know is a is a huge blessing. Yeah, for sure. I think people would resonate, you know, with the real raw Tanya. You know, you can find so many shiny, perfect things on the internet you know, what's better than the real, you know, raw you? Yeah, and I'm not perfect. You know, I have a trucker's mouth. Um, I swear, <laughs> you know, my best-selling product are the cookies I swear on um, or, you know, my penis cookies or you know, <laughs> something like that. Um, you know, what you see is what you get. And I love and, that um, because I'm and probably... I don't Sorry, I was going to say, I love that. And I'm sure other people do too, because, you know, I'm a, bit, a little bit the same. I've got a trucker's mouth too. <laughs> and when I see a cookie that says, go fuck yourself or fuck off, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's my lady. <laughs> the first the first few times I put them out there, you know, I was like, oh God, you know, are people, people even going to buy these or, you know, am I, 
you know, are people going to go, okay, I don't want to follow her anymore. Um, but yeah, as I said, you know, is there something I've learned? It's just, you just got to be yourself. Um, and, and I like to be a bit cheeky and a little bit naughty and, um, and I want, and I wanted my cookies to be unique. I didn't want them to be, you know, I pride myself on, uh, you know, coming up with my own original designs. Um, you know, people will say to me all the time, can you do this? You know, uh, and I'll say, no, look, I won't copy, but you know, I can do this. Um, you know, I like, I like to be from the heart and from, you know, my creative mind. Um, that works a million miles an hour sometimes. Um, and, and not everything works, uh, but you know, most of the time, I hope I get it right. <laughs> From my end, you seem to be doing a pretty good job. I think it, it, it looks like everything's going pretty well. Um, so what would you say to someone who's stuck in a negative headspace and complaining about what they don't have or what they wish they had? It's okay to be, it's okay to get stuck in a negative place from times, uh, time to time. I, um, I think we focus so much on not, you know, it, a lot of people push the be positive, be positive, be positive, but that's not real life. You know, we at times we all have fun times, um, and it's okay to do that. Um, you know, the other week when all the corona stuff hit, I lost my whole entire year's work in two days. And I just cried because I thought, fuck, what am I going to do now? Um, and I did a big rant on Instagram and cried and, you know, just kind of lost my mind a bit. Um, and, and, you know, and said, it's okay to do this. Like it's, it's okay to, it's okay to doubt yourself. It's okay to, it's okay to let the negativity in because a lot of the time positives come from that. Um, but the one thing it's not okay to do is let the negative negativity come in and completely take over. So it's, it's okay to doubt things you're doing. Um, I often find the things I doubt the most the ones that are the most successful um you know and i doubt myself all the time god you know like i constantly um even you know i i sat and went okay fuck that that's all gone i've now got to work out what i do from here and i can either crumble and just let the business go um and focus on other things or I can go, no, you know what, we're going to rise out of this and we're just going to do things our way um, and, and, you know, put things out there and hope to God they work. Um, and, you know, luckily I've been very lucky that um, the things that I've done have worked. Um, but you still have those moments where you go, shit what am I doing um you know this is crazy but it's 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 okay it's okay to doubt yourself it's okay to I think if we had no negativity in our lives what sort of person would we be we wouldn't learn to grow um we wouldn't learn to get through hard times and um you know, we, we certainly, we wouldn't be able to function if we were 100% positive all the time with nothing going wrong. Um, and I think you just set, you set yourself up for heartache if you're constantly pushing for that perfect life, um, you know, where nothing goes wrong because it's bullshit. Um, you know, she goes wrong all the time and, you know, you can't, um, you can't write a script for every day that is going to tell you that nothing is going to go wrong. Yeah. I think life is, it's about embracing the bullshit, isn't it? And just learning to roll with whatever's going to happen next. It is. You have to adapt. Um, 
And that, you know, that's something I've learned since having a disability is you constantly just have adapt. You, there are things that you ju you can't do, um, but it's not that you can't completely do them. Uh, it's just that you've got to find a different way of doing them. Yeah. Um, so what would you say to someone who's in uh, a dark place right now, who's struggling with something like a disability or, you know, depression or, you know, anything like that? What would you say to them? You're going to be okay. Um, darkness takes us over all the time. And it, it comes back to that doubting that not being able to see past what's happening at that moment. Um, but, you know, after every storm, there's always a rainbow. There's always good. Um, there, there's always as good in a day as there is bad. Um, and you just got to find that good. Um, you've got to remind yourself that you're enough, that what you're doing is enough that you are worthy of being loved of you know being able to experience life um, sometimes it's you know it, it's okay to not it's you know it's cliche but it is okay not to be not to be okay um but what's most important is how you pull yourself out of that how you the things you find in that situation that are going to help you um to be a be a stronger person and uh, most of the time it's about surrounding yourself with the right people yeah so apart from you know just trying to remind yourself that you know life's not perfect and you know, you just got to roll with whatever happens and try and find the good in your day. Is there anything like specific that you do to try and get yourself out of a funk if you're, you know, having a bad day and you're like, I'm over it, I'm done, I'm, I've had enough? You know, but I let myself have that bad day. Um, at the end of the day, it's one day. Um, usually, you know, you you can just... I, you know, I tend to let that, I guess, consume me for a little while. Um, and then I'm just constantly reminding myself about the good stuff that I have in my life, my family, you know, the friends I have in my life. Um, it really is about letting yourself have that time to feel sorry for yourself, um, you know, feel bad about something. Um, and then telling yourself that it was okay to feel that way, but now I'm going to do this. Um, so a lot of it, I think, is planning. Again, find that person, those people that you know that stand, you know. I, I'm so lucky I have those people where I can, I can, you know, text a message and say, fuck this, I've had enough. Um, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, you know, um, and they'll be the ones that come back and say, wake up to your fucking self, you know, uh, you're doing a good job, just, you know, pull your head in. Um, so I, I swear it really comes down to, and I've only really worked this out in the last couple of years, um, that it comes down to those people that you surround yourself with. Get rid of those shit people, those friends that you ring at who will tell you um, straight away to get over yourself. Um, you know, your good friends will say, it's okay to feel like that, um, you know, and message me when you're over it and then, like, get the fuck on with it. Um, it it's so important to have those supportive people in your life. Um, get rid of all negative all negative negativity um can't even talk <laughs> and get rid of those friends that bring you down um you need those ones that that will lift you up those ones that you could send a text message at three o'clock 
in the morning who will go, what the fuck, man? I was sleeping, but what's wrong? Um, yeah. And yeah, like you just, you just got to, I, I don't know. It's, um, it's really hard. I'm not a person that can meditate or um, anything like that. Uh, you know, if I got in a bad headspace before, because I've always anxiety um, prior to this. I mean, now I suffer from anxiety and PTSD. Um, so some days are really shit. Um, before I could throw the sneakers on and go for a run, you know, and clear my head and, you know, um, move on. Now I bake. Um, yeah. The cookies cookies are my thing you know if I'm having a shit day I bake um you know once I've got through the main shit part of it um I think it's different for everyone you know some people can throw on some music and just relax and you know get themselves out of a funk um and I'm just not and it's just because I've never been one to sit still yeah um, and I think that's totally just, cool you too whatever works for you yeah yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of time people will see my Facebook at two o'clock in the morning or whatever, and it's because I'm up baking um, because I can't sleep. I'm an insomniac, so, um, you know, I get up and I bake. Uh, so it's just, um, it's about finding what works for you and, and not putting yourself in that same box that everyone puts themselves in and go, oh, but meditation works and this works. And because, you know, there's no... There's no perfect answer for, for everyone. Um, just have your shit day and find that thing that fixes it. I think a lot of people, and I know I'm guilty of it too, like I think we feel like we can't be, you know, like we're not allowed to grieve or we're not allowed to be sad over whatever, you know, we, we just have to get on with it and get over it. And I think that's probably been the hardest thing for me is, is going, it's okay to sit there and cry if you want to cry. Like, you don't have to get over this, you know, within the next five minutes. You can sit there for half an hour and cry if you want. You can sit there for a whole day and cry. I think it, yeah, I don't know if it's that expectation, the societal expectation that you just have to move on and keep going. But, yeah. We've always been, I think we've always been talking about it's not okay to be vulnerable um, and that showing that you're upset, um, you know, sharing your people uh, is, is a sign and it comes back to that ideal perfection um, that one expects. Um, and because imperfection is often seen as is a weakness, as that, you know, that's why girls diet because they think their bodies are imperfect, um, you know, or, you know, whatever they, it may be. Um, and, and I think that we're slowly, I think it's still, I think we've still got a long way to go. Um, we're slowly beginning to realise that, things aren't perfect, that it's okay to share that you're vulnerable, it's okay to share that you're grieving, um, that you have those differences, that you might have those weaknesses. Um, you know, I, sh I share all the time about my anxiety and my PTSD because sometimes it does affect um, my work. It does affect my family life. Um, but if I don't share that, and there's someone else out there dealing with the same stuff. Um, how are they supposed to know how to get through it? And that's why I like to share the difficulties I have. You know, I swear at my leg most days. Like, you know, it's ridiculous. My kids just laugh at me because they go, fucking stupid leg, you know, like a fucking stupid hand, you know. I forget. I still, you know, I'm what... So the end of this month, it will be three years, I think, 2016. Oh, no, that's four years, isn't it? No, 2017. Oh, my God, I don't know. Three or four years since my injury um, at the end of this month. And um, I still forget 
some days, you know, I fall down my stairs, like we've got a split level house. I fall down the stairs every day, um, you know, because I try to go too fast and forget that I can't. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, falling over, I fall off my toilet all the time, you know, I've fallen off toilets in public. Um, I've wet myself in public, you know, and they're things that usually you wouldn't share with people, you know, that's too much information. Um, but if you don't share that, how do people, one, be aware that, that are some of, those are some of the issues that you go through? Um, and two, if an injury like that happens to someone else and then they start going through it, how are they meant to feel comfortable about and, and realise that, you know, it's okay? Um, you know, I wet myself every day. Um, my PTSD is set off by helicopters. We live 5Ks from the airport. Um, we're in the flight zone. <laughs> so they fly over our house all the time. Um, oh, no. so it wasn't good plan. Um, so, you know, I, the boys will find me in the lounge room with cushions up against my ears because it's actually the noise of the helicopter that sets me off. Um, you know, I will wet myself. Um, if you don't share those vulnerabilities, no one knows how to react to that. But the first time I ever wet myself, I was in line um, in BW in the lay-by line. I had jeans on and you pee yourself in jeans and the whole world sees it. And it was the most horrifying experience for me because it was the first time it happened. Um, and because I don't, because I've got incontinence, I don't always feel that I need to go. So it just happens. Um, and it was horrifying. And the beautiful girl at Big W was so lovely and, you know, helped me. But there were all these people standing there kind of looking at me. And, um, you know, it was very early on in my injury. And I didn't want to go, like, I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't know what to do. And then I snapped out of it and realised that, you know what, this is, this is just how things are. I'm very fortunate that with my son um, doing the racing, I get to spend a majority of time with these amazing athletes um, and, and some Paralympians who are these amazing role models who, who talk about their experiences and who make things seem normal. Um, and that's what I've learned. It's just my new normal. Um, and it's taken me a long time to get there. But that's what it is. It's my new normal. And I will share that because we share other things in our life. And, and why should me sharing, you know, some of the shit things that can happen <laughs> with spinal cord injury, um, you know, why should that be a bad thing? Um, and you can only bring awareness to things if you share them. Yeah, definitely. What's the response been? Have you have you received a ton of positive responses through sharing your story? Have you received negative responses? How do people react when you're sharing these things? Look, the majority of people, um, you know, their reaction it's a pretty good, uh, you know, and you often, I often get messages, you know, that will say, you know, you're amazing to be able to do this, um, given your injury. I don't think, I don't see it as amazing. I, um, it's just what I do. Um, it's what I do. It's what I love to do. Um, there have been, you know, I have had people that will message or they'll write a message, you know, write a will comment that'll say, oh, you know, too much information. You know, people aren't buying your disability, they're buying your cookies. Um, but that's full of shit because I actually think that if I didn't have my disability, that my business wouldn't do as well as it does. Um, I actually think it's just, it's sharing my story. Um, and as I said before, the imperfections based around my cookies that actually sell the cookies. Um, See, so, you know, you can't be everybody's cup of tea because some people don't drink tea. Um, everyone's got a different opinion on things. And, you know, at the end of the day, 
everyone's entitled to their own opinion and you can you can comment on things and you can have that opinion as long as you're not hurting someone yeah for sure so i think i know the answer to this question already but i'm going to ask it what drives you to keep going every day what makes you get out of bed in the morning my kids my family um they're my sole purpose for everything they always have been um and now me as well um you you know i um it's bizarre i never would have thought that acquiring an injury like i have would change my world in the way that it has for the better um because you know i guess you it's it's different to acquire an injury and be born with one um you know my kids know don't know any better that's how they were born and that's pretty much all they know um whereas i've had a taste of both sides and at first um you know that was something i didn't want you know if you had asked me two years ago if i could turn back time and take away the injury altogether i would have in a heartbeat said yes and now i tell you no because i have grown so much as a person i have learnt so much more um and i wouldn't actually change it i changed the really shitty days where i can't get out of bed um, and the pain's really bad <laughs> but um I've, I've learned so much. I've experienced so much more. Um, I think I get so much more out of every day now than I ever did. Um, but yeah, but I, my family is what keeps me going. Um, yeah. I just, you know, without them, I'd be lost. Um, and I just, I enjoy well, I'm actually looking forward to where my life goes from here. Um, because it is a different life path than what I had planned. Um, and at first that was the hardest thing to get past. Um, you know, I think I'm a very planning, I like to plan things. Um, so, you know, if I say, okay, in these five years, I'm going to do this. That's, you know, pretty much set in in stone that that's what's going to happen um and i pretty much had that you know you know I, my kid, i've got two kids that have graduated high school now and you know i was getting to the pointy end of you know not having any kids left at school and then then it was going to be about me um whereas i've learned now that it's okay for it to be about me even when they they still need me um so yeah it, it, my family that's what gets me out of bed every day, even on the shitty ones. Yeah. It sounds like they need you a whole lot still too. Like you need them, they need you. So. Yeah, well, I've got one that's um, probably off to the arm. So, oh. I, um, yeah, I'm holding on to the apron strings at the moment. <laughs> um, he's he's 21 this year and I just, uh, I constantly keep going, oh, my God, how do I have a 21-year-old? And... You know, uh, when your kids have been your whole identity, I think it's really hard because I I never planned to do anything pretty much but look after my kids um, and, you know, help them do what they need to do. And, and I still do that with my youngest. I mean, he's only 14 and so, you know, I've got him at home for a few more years yet. Um, and he he keeps us really really busy and you know we're loving i'm loving being a part of his world with his wheelchair racing and um you know it's it's also opened my eyes to what i'm capable of now too which um you know is it, it's nice it's nice to realize that i'm so i'm more capable than I actually thought I was, even when I was able-bodied. Yeah. So what legacy would you like to leave behind or are going to leave behind? 
That's a tricky one. Um, I was just about to start doing an athletics course, course for coaching, um, but because of COVID, that's been um, put on hold. But I, I really, since my son's been involved in um, wheelchair sports, and we've been you know brought into this amazing community um and i've seen the benefits that sports has for people with disabilities i'd really like to be able to um bring that out into the country more and uh i don't know about leaving legacies I, it's so hard to you know i could say well you know i want to set up this and that but i guess i just want to be able to make a difference in some way whether it's a teeny tiny little difference um, in one person's life or you know in a number of people's lives um, and even if it's just you know in my own family um, if anything I just I want people to realize that imperfect perfect you know it, it doesn't matter um, at the end of the day, that's not what people remember you for. Um, people remember you if you have a kind heart. Um, nice things you might say, do. You know, that there's nothing too little, I don't think. Um, I think sometimes the smallest things are the ones that make the biggest differences. I don't think you need to do some big grand gesture to to leave a legacy behind. It can be something something simple, um, you know, even a random act of kindness. Um, you know, simple little things like that people remember, um, and I think that's what I want to leave behind. I, I just I want you know if it was all to end tomorrow, I would like people to remember me for being me for not trying to be anybody else um and for bringing a bit of joy into their lives um yeah i don't know it's a really tough one <laughs> uh, sorry that's the last one so <laughs> no more hard ones oh where's the wisdom I, I could listen to you all day. I just, I think you're an amazing lady and I really appreciate you sharing your story because I know that, you know, someone's going to listen to this and go, my life's been fucking hard too, but if, you know, she can do it, I can too. So. Well, we've always just lived on the, on the premise of there's always someone worse off. I mean, all our kids were born mature. Um, you know, had really shitty starts to life. Um, you know, two of them have had to fight for things their whole lives with surgeries and illnesses and things. And um, if the one thing we've always, we've always seen, even in the times where we're just like, fuck this, like, this is just bullshit. Like, why does this keep happening to us? Um, there's always been someone else that has had it worse off than us. Um, you know, and I'm here, I'm alive, I'm breathing, um, I'm walking, you know, even though I look like I'm drunk half the time, um, you know, like it's, I just, I just think it's important for people to realise that one, someone, there's always someone better, uh, worse off than you. Two, anything is possible. You don't know what each day is going to bring. Um, I certainly and think I'd wake up one day and end up paralysed. Um, and three, it's what you do with the things that are thrown your way that is the most important. You can choose to just lay down and decide that that's the life you want to live and you just accept it. Um, or you can decide that, okay, this has happened and I'm going to move forward as best I can because 
essentially in the beginning I was just like this is crap like and I lost my complete identity because everything I knew everything I loved um, every plan I had for the future had just disappeared out the window um, or so I thought but then I realized um, that it was just making way for a new plan. It was making way for new experiences. Um, and I actually think my life is better for it. Yeah. You're amazing. <laughs> just amazing. So if anyone is looking to follow you or find out more about your cookies, where can we find you? So you can find me at Imperfectly Perfect Sugar Cookies on Instagram and Facebook. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, Tan. I'm, I'm excited to get this episode out and inspire some, some people. Um, I'll pop links in the show notes so everyone knows where to find you. Um, and, yeah, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Em. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wellness with MZ podcast. It was proudly brought to you by thewellnessaffair.com. If you've enjoyed this episode today, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. This will help us reach as many people as possible on our mission for health.